All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, yeah, so like Pastor Hannah said, I'm going to talk about uh, Thanksgiving this morning. Um, and I, I just thought it was so cool, all the songs that we sang uh, this morning and then the, the things that we prayed about and even the giving talk, they all kind of flow into um, this morning's message. It's kind of cool how the Holy Spirit works things out like that. Um, so, yeah, this morning I'm going to talk about Thanksgiving. Like, What is Thanksgiving? Where did it come from? Um, if you went to school uh, here in America, you learned in kindergarten that, you know, the pilgrims came and, and the Native Americans, they helped them to have a great harvest and they um, had a great meal together and prayed and offered thanks to God together. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of the origin story, the, the myth, if you will, of, um, of Thanksgiving. It's part of, part of the creation narrative um, of our country. But it, as a holiday itself, um, it really started with George Washington, and it was kind of unorganized. Um, and pr- every president after George Washington, they kind of just ran and were like, I think this day will be a day of Thanksgiving. Let it be so for today. And it was only just that one day, um, you know, every year. And it was just really organi- unorganized. But it wasn't until President Abraham Lincoln, uh, during the middle of the Civil War, uh, that it actually became a national holiday uh, that we celebrated every year on a specific day. Um, and so this happened on October 3rd, 1863. Uh, and this is what President Lincoln had to say. It's kind of long, so bear with me. Um, I cut out a large chunk of what he had to say, but it was really it was really kind of powerful, the words that he had to say. So I think it's important for us to, to just be reminded, because honestly, I'd never heard this proclamation before until I started researching for the sermon. So I'm sure you haven't either. Maybe you have. Maybe you're a big history buff and maybe you've heard it, but I hadn't. And it just kind of blew me away. So President Lincoln, he says this, he says, the year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields, healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. And it's just, like, even there, it just kind of blows me away. Like, I can imagine a politician saying anything remotely like that today. Um, It's just, like, it was a totally different time. (laughs) And then he goes on and he says, uh, The needful diversions of wealth and strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense, have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements, and the mines as well of iron and coal as the precious metals have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. The population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege and the battlefield, and the country rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to expect the continuance of years with large increases of freedom. No human counsel hath, hath devisedly, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who while dealing with us in anger for our sins hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and prayer to our beneficent Father 
who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all of those who have become widows, orphans, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged. And fervently implore the interposition of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as it may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. Like, I read that and I was like, wow, like, President Lincoln's kind of preaching, like, he's, he's got some <laughs> preach to him, you know? Like I, like I said before, like, I can't imagine anyone involved in politics at all saying anything remotely um, close to that. Um, and it's, you know, as a country, we, we've changed, and the holiday of Thanksgiving itself has changed, right? You know, it's not about the Civil War anymore, but um, it, it, it's, it's become more about your family. It's become more about, uh, you know, the turkey that you eat. And I know some of you are probably like, I don't really like turkey. If you don't like turkey, I'll pray for you after service. You can come see me. I know, I know some people are out there, but they don't like turkeys. I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge you for not liking turkey. <laughs> but you've never had my turkey, so I'm just going to say. <laughs> but some things never change. Um, you know, Lincoln's words about taking for granted the blessings uh, that we experience every day living in a country of bounty, it still rings true today. You know, we, um, you know, like I said, things have changed. We've gotten better uh, since 1863, and in some ways we've gotten worse, too. And um, it's easy for us to forget just how blessed we are. You know, there's the need to remember who gave us these blessings in the first place. It's just as urgent as ever to rem- keep that in their minds. The need to remember those who are less fortunate than ourselves. And I think it's awesome that we as a church spent an entire Saturday um, from early in the morning till mid-afternoon taking care and, and ensuring those in our community who are less fortunate than ourselves can can have a Thanksgiving meal with their families um, and have something to to celebrate, really, and, and to thank God for. Um, and the need to recognize the fallenness of our own nature. Um, and, and that we can't, you know, we can't go through this life on our own because we're, we're messed up, you know? We're just messed up people, and that's just the way it is. If you think you're not, I'm sorry to break it to you today, but you're messed up. I'm messed up. We're all, we're all, we're all messed up. And, and, you know, what also hasn't changed is our continuing need for God to, to intervene in our affairs, to intervene um, in, our, in our city, in our state, in our country, and in, in the whole world. We need God to intervene. Um, because, like I said, we can't do it, we can't do it alone. We can't we can't expect good things to come from um, the people in power if 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 you know we're not we're not honoring God in, in every decision that we make. And so that's you know that's that's what Thanksgiving's about. Thanksgiving is about remembering the blessings of God, remembering you know, how wretched we are, but also how much God loves us and how much. Uh, we need him to to step in on our behalf and and uh, to just recognize that need that we have for him. One of my favorite authors, G.K. Chesterton, he says this. He said, "I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought, and that at gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder." And it's true, right? Like it's it's hard to maintain uh, gratitude. It's hard to maintain a mindset of thankfulness. You know, all you have to do is drive to work. Uh, tomorrow morning, and the first person who cuts you off or drives slow in the fast lane, like, 
your thankfulness level is going to plummet. It's hard to keep that up. It's hard to, to stay thankful. Um, and, and that's why I think, I think he's right. Like, it is the highest form of thought because it's so hard to, to attain. It's so hard to, to reach um, and, and maintain thankfulness. And we learned, you know, with these um, last couple of weeks, we've been talking about um, what it means to give or what it means to really love. And, and to really love and to really be a giving person, it, me- it requires self-sacrifice. Um, and and that's, that's what Thanksgiving is about, is about being thankful and about giving of ourselves. And, and it's really easy for us to lose focus of that. I've got a funny story from about Thanksgiving in my own life where, where this kind of came into, into play. Uh, my family is really big, like, I mean, really, really big. So on Thanksgivings, you know, at my aunt's house, we used to have 30 to 50 people there at, on Thanksgiving, you know. And, um, and my aunt's house wasn't that big at the time growing up. And so we were all kind of crammed in tight, just a ton of people around. And my dad always fried a turkey on Thanksgiving. Like, that was his thing. He loved to fry the turkey. And this one year, for whatever reason, um, he was frying the turkey. He came inside, and I guess he got caught up watching the football game or something. I don't know. But he, he forgot about the turkey in the turkey fryer. And so he remembers, and he runs outside. He gets the turkey out, and it's like extra crispy turkey, okay? Like <laughs> KFC, Popeye's had nothing on the crispiness of this, of this turkey, okay? Like it was, it was crispy, um, and, and we've referred to it ever since as turkey jerky, as a turkey jerky uh, Thanksgiving, because that's what it was. Well, my dad, he was freaked, like, he was freaked out. Like, he was not freaked out like he was scared, but he was just, he was stressed. He, you know, he thought he ruined Thanksgiving. And so him and my uncles are getting together trying to figure out how we're going to get a turkey. They're calling all the stores and couldn't find out Walmart down the road is still open, and they've got a couple of turkeys left. So he rushes to go get this turkey because he thinks he's ruined Thanksgiving, and he's got to get it cooked so we can all eat well, by the time my dad gets back, we've already started eating the turkey, right? Like, we've started digging in to the turkey. Turns out it was really good. Turkey jerky is pretty good, you know? Um, and, and so he was just shocked by it. Um, and, and we do that. We, we, we get so caught up in, in the things that we have to do that we, didn't, he didn't, we don't think to stop and recognize, like, what's going on in front of us. He didn't think to see... Does the turkey even taste good? Like, are people even going to eat it? You know, he was so worried that everything went wrong in his doing that that Thanksgiving was ruined. And, and we, we do this around the holidays. I don't know what it is about us, but we get so caught up in the things that we have to do. We get so caught up in, in all the tasks. We get caught up in the cooking. We get caught up in the cleaning, the traveling, some of us, the buying, the consuming. You know, we even get caught up in the things that we don't have. And we forget to take the time to be thankful. Um, and let alone, we forget to truly give of ourselves during this season because it, it can be so me-focused. Um, and I don't, I don't mean like the gifts that we give. Obviously, we give gifts um, or the St. Jude donation that you make, you know, on, on your way out, out the door as a last-minute thing. Like, we forget the importance of giving of ourselves, of, of truly being in the moment, um, with the people who, who are gathered together with us. You know, it's almost a trope now. Like I've seen, there's Hallmark movies about it. There's people making Instagram reels or TikToks or whatever about, about you know, how we look towards the holidays with anxiety. We almost dread the holidays. And it's like, why? You know, I know some of us, you know, maybe we've lost loved ones and, and that, that makes the holidays hard. 
Um, but I think for most of us, um, that's not what makes us dread the holidays. What makes us dread the holidays is that we're so caught up in all of the stuff, all the things that we have to do, um, that we forget why we're even celebrating in the first place. We forget why our crazy cousins are coming over to the house in the first place, right? Like, instead of being thankful that we even have family or friends um, to sit around a table with each other, we're so so jaded by the things that we, we feel like we have to do. And I think that's the important thing, is like we feel like we have to do these things, but as we're about to learn uh, in the Gospel of Luke that um, these things... Ultimately, they're not necessary. Um, you know, I I was thinking about being thankful for for what we have, and uh, um, I have a toddler. For those of you who don't know, and and I'm in charge of putting him to bed. And uh, putting him to bed is an adventure, right? Like it doesn't matter if he's falling asleep before bath time. Once that's all over and he's in his bedroom and, and in his bed, it's party time to him. He's he's not wanting to go to sleep. You know, sometimes it takes him 30 minutes to go to sleep, which is an awesome night, like celebrating that. Other times it could take him two hours to go to sleep. You know, you never know what you're going to get with him. Um, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> but um, several nights ago, I was uh, sitting by Alice's bed with him. I thought he was laying down because norm- normally whenever I put him to bed, I read on my Kindle. And so the glare of the screen and I just kind of can kind of see him. So I just assumed he was laying there, starting to fall asleep. And as I'm reading and all of a sudden, he just tackles me out of nowhere, just out of the darkness. This toddler just comes leaping forth and, and tackles me, and he's just screaming and cracking up laughing, thinks it's hilarious. Well, my first reaction is, go to sleep, man. Just go to sleep. It's already been up here with you for an hour. Like, go to bed. I want to go see your mother. Like, go to bed. And I had to catch myself because I just found myself getting steadily angrier and angrier with him. And, and I was like, you know what? He doesn't realize, like, that I have other things that I want to do. Um, and yeah, those things are important. But what's more important is, is that moment with him. Like, I'm not going to remember the times that he went to bed early when he's 18 years old and graduating high school. I'm going to remember the times that he was little and wanted to play and tackle me when he was going to bed and, and the laughter, uh, you know, hearing his little laugh. Because he's not going to want to do that forever. And uh, it really just struck home with me, like, it's those little moments. It's, it's, the, it's the people. It's not the things that we're doing that, that matter uh, the most. And I think that's reflected really well uh, in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. And if you've been around church, grown up in church, I'm sure you've heard this story. Uh, but it's about um, the sisters Martha and Mary. Um, and it really just kind of highlights the human condition. And what's weird about this passage is it feels like it's just kind of shoved in um, after the parable of, of the Good Samaritan. Like, it's just kind of this weird little vignette that, that Luke just kind of put in there as an afterthought uh, when you're reading the whole chapter, but um, there's a lot that Luke packs into this, and it's not a very long um, passage. You know, there's only, there's only four verses, um, and they're not very long verses at that, but it really speaks to how we can lose focus, how, how we lose, excuse me, you lose sight of what's most important. I need to take a sip of water. Well, coffee, that's not water. I don't know why I said water. Anyways, so let's see what, uh, see what Luke had to say. Starting in verse 38, he says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. 
And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And I think it kind of speaks for itself. It's really powerful, right? Like Luke opens up this verse kind of nonchalantly, just like now as they went on their way, they went to this village. Um, and as I was studying this, I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get a lot out of this verse to preach on, but it turns out there's quite a bit here, even in the first sentence. So, so Luke, the way he structures his gospel is that Jesus is always on a journey typically to Jerusalem. And so when Luke says, now as they're on their way, we know that Jesus is going to Jerusalem. Why is he going to Jerusalem? It's the holidays. This is a holiday story. This is, this is the Thanksgiving of the, of the Jewish people, right? This is, this is Passover. This is, this is it. This is the culmination of, of, of the, the Jewish holy days. And, and so Jesus was going to Jerusalem uh, to celebrate Passover uh, with his disciples. And um, the village that he entered is called Bethany, and it's a small town just outside of Jerusalem. Um, but what's important to know is that during the holidays here um, and the cities surrounding Jerusalem and Jerusalem itself, it gets really, really busy. Um, most historians think that either um, on the more cynical, hyper-conservative end, they say maybe 20,000 people lived in Jerusalem. On the other extreme, their estimates as far as 600,000 people lived in Jerusalem at this time. It's kind of safe to assume maybe it's closer to like 100,000. But regardless, during this time, the population tripled in a month's time leading up to Passover. So you can imagine if Houston just, you woke up tomorrow and there's an extra, I don't know, 24 million people in the city. Like, what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> there's going to be no, there's going to be barely any room to walk around. Like, so it's crazy. It's a crazy time. So you kind of get the picture that it's chaotic. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. People are everywhere. Um, and everybody's really busy because they didn't have a lot of hotels back in these days. Like if your family was coming to Jerusalem, if you happened to be the family member who lived in Jerusalem, your whole family is coming to your house. And I don't just mean like your in-laws are coming over for the evening. Like they're coming to stay with you for a month. And it's like all 40 and 50 and 60 of your aunts, uncles, your cousins, their toddlers, and I've got toddlers, so I'm just saying toddlers are crazy. So, like, it's going to be chaos in the house. And the houses are not that big at this time. Like, we're lucky if their houses were bigger than our living rooms, okay? Like, small houses. So you can imagine this is just an absolute, just insane time. So Martha, in my mind, she's justifiable in her kind of attitude, right? Like, she's got all of these people over at her house already, and then the king of kings decides he's going to show up too. Like, you know, it kind of reminds me of those moms. Maybe you are this mom. I'm sorry if you are. I'm not trying to make fun of you. Well, maybe a little. It's just all good fun. But you know those moms who have the special china in case the president or, or the king decides to come to town? Like, they're never going to use it, right? But they've got it anyways. And they're never going to touch it until the president comes to their town, knocks on their door to come over for dinner. Like, it's every mom's worst nightmare, and Martha is living it right now. Like, not only is the king in town, also all of her distant relatives who probably drive her a little crazy already. Like, this is what's going on with Martha. So, so she's just kind of 
stressed. You know, I, I, I'm a doer, kind of like Martha. Like, if other people are around doing things, I get uncomfortable if I'm not doing something. So I can understand. And one of my pet peeves is if I'm doing a lot of the things and nobody else is doing any of the things, I'm going to get frustrated too. So I can totally understand um, how, how Martha is feeling. I mean, like, it's just me, Jamie, and, and two little boys at my house. But if people are coming over for the afternoon, like, I am stressed instantly about all the cleaning. And even, like, my ADD takes over, and I get concerned about random things that need to be done. Like, I'm just that type of person, right? Like, I could be, I could be doing the dishes, and the next thing you know, I'm, like, outside sweeping the driveway or something just random. Like, it stresses me out a little bit. Um, so I, I know uh, where Martha's coming from. And so this passage goes on to say that, that while Martha is busy being the hostess with the mostess, that Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus and learning from his teaching. And, and so really, this, this sitting at the feet of Jesus is just a turn of phrase to say that, that Mar- Mary was, was a student of Jesus. Mary was just listening and learning from Jesus. Her focus was on Jesus. And so because of this, Martha just gets a little perturbed, and, and she kind of gets angry with Jesus because she says, Lord, do you not care? Like, I can just hear the sass in her voice. <laughs> do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Like, she's bossing Jesus around. Like, she's, she's taking command of the situation, and people are going to start helping her. Um, and so I get it. I, I get, I get <laughs> where Martha is coming from. I think she's justified. And, and um, Jesus' reaction to Martha would probably probably irked me a little bit. Like, I could feel that, that pride in me just kind of like take that, take that hit when Jesus looks at her, and, and I, can, I just imagine him kind of laughing at her. He's just like, Martha, Martha. Reminds me of the Brady Bunch. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Like, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus, he's really saying, he's saying, Martha, you're distracted. You know, yes, the things that you're doing are important. They're nice. Like, they're appreciated. But they're not needed. They're not necessary. Like, as a doer, someone telling me the things I'm doing don't really all matter all that much, I'm going to get frustrated a little bit. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get irked somewhat. And so I can imagine just Martha's, the wind was just taken right out of her cells at this point. Um, because Jesus was trying to say, like, he didn't have any expectations of Martha, right? He, he didn't have any, anything that he needed Martha to do for him. And, and that's, that's kind of how we all, we all are. We get so focused on, you know, especially in church world, we get so focused on the doing things for Jesus that, that we forget that he doesn't need us to do anything for, for him. He's done it all already for us. And sometimes he just needs us to sit back and appreciate the, the fact that he's done the hard work um, and, and that we just need to be thankful that, that we get to participate in it. Um, sorry, I lost, my, I lost my spot. I was just going faster than my notes were. <laughs> um, you know, I, I just think, like, Martha, all of her hard work, all of her cleaning, all of her shopping, all of her planning, it, it was just not what Jesus needed from her. And... I just think about all the, the, myself included, but the people in my life who, who take pride in, in, in the things that they do and, and to have, you know, Jesus look at you and be like, 
that's cool that you did that for me, but, oh, God, oh, man, that just, whew, I could, I could get mad about that, but it's Jesus, so how are you going to get too mad, right? Um, Martha, Martha got so caught up in what she was doing for Jesus that she allowed herself to get angry with her own sister. She allowed herself to get angry with Jesus um, when all that Jesus expected of her, all that Jesus required of her was to sit at his feet and just listen and be there with him and spend time with him. Martha allowed her focus to become about what she was doing rather than who she was doing it for. You know, in a situation where she should have been thankful that Jesus was even at her house in the first place. She was too concerned to even think about him. And, and Paul kind of captures this, um, you know, about, about generosity, about what it means to be thankful for, for the things that we have, the, the things that are right in front of us. Um, and this verse, at first, when I'm reading it, you're going to be like, how does this have anything to do with Thanksgiving? I thought so, too. When I was doing my word study on, on my Bible study software, I was kind of like, Why this, what does this passage have to do with anything? Um, and it's not until the last, literally the last sentence that, that it kind of hits home. But Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 12, he's talking about generosity. And specifically, he's talking about generosity uh, with, with our finances, generosity with our treasure. Um, but at Village Heights, you know, we, we always talk about generosity is more than just your treasure. It's about your time and your talent as well. And so you can read that in into this because the principle of generosity is, is universal and encompasses a lot of things. And so Paul says this. He says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And see, Martha stopped being a cheerful giver. She, she was giving. She was all wrapped up in what she was giving that she forgot why the heck she was doing it in the first place. And she stopped being a cheerful giver. And Paul goes on to say, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It's crazy, the parallels. Like, like Paul's saying, Jesus has everything you need. And that's the same thing Jesus said to Martha. He's like, Mary found the things that she needs. I'm all that anybody in this house needs. And he goes on to say, as it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And then this last sentence just really kind of caught me off guard because he says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but the ministry is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Like, ministry isn't just about the doing. You know, the, the holidays and, and, and you know, life isn't all about the doing. It's about being thankful. It's about thanksgiving. Um, and I it just, man, that really hits home with me because I've got to be honest with you. As, as a minister, it's so easy for me to get caught up in the doing of the things, right? It's so hard for me to get caught up in the setting up, the tearing down for Sunday, the, the getting the questions 
right for villages, getting them to, to Stephanie on time to send out to the village leaders, for getting to send them to Stephanie to send out to the village leaders. Like all of this stuff, all of the things that I do, it's easy to lose focus of why I'm even doing it in the first place. And it's easy to get frustrated and it's easy to get, you know, kind of kind of jaded sometimes. And, and I always have to go back to, to Christ and realize like, I'm not doing this just to do it. Like there's a purpose behind the doing. The ministry isn't just the stuff. The ministry is being thankful that I get to do it to begin with. Now, it isn't about how hard I work, though it's important. It isn't about how many hours I serve, though it's important. What matters is who I serve. And so, you know, this Thanksgiving, I just want to say to you guys, you know, it, it doesn't matter how much you clean. It doesn't matter how much you cook. It doesn't matter how far you travel. It doesn't matter how much preparation you do. All these things are important, and I know that they'll be appreciated. But if you can't enjoy the people who are sitting around the table with you because you're so focused on those other things, then you've missed it completely. And we're all guilty of this. As a body of believers, it's so easy for us to fall into the trap of Martha. Um, you know, maybe we volunteer every Sunday. And, and we get bitter that there might not be enough volunteers that Sunday. Or, you know, maybe we show up to every other serving opportunity and, and we're wondering, where the heck is everybody else? Um, you know, maybe we've unloaded the trailer 10,000 times uh, and we still don't have a building, God. You know? <laughs> Just saying. Uh, <laughs> maybe we do all of these things. But unless we do it in thankfulness, None of it matters at all. And so I just want to leave you guys um, and encourage you to, to slow down. Slow down during this time as, as we approach Thanksgiving, but most importantly as we approach the Advent season when God gave us the best gift of all, uh, His Son. When He stepped down out of heaven uh, as a baby to eventually die for us, uh, to die for, for our sins, for our wickedness. Um, that that is what matters the most. That's what most is most important this season. And so I just want to pray um, for us all, and, and um, that's all I've got for this morning. Lord, thank you um, for the opportunities that you've given us. Help us to not view the opportunities to love, the opportunities to express thankfulness and gratitude uh, as obligations or as chores. Help us to keep you at the forefront of our minds, Lord, and, and know that when we serve anyone, we're ultimately serving you. When we, when we seek to, to, um, to care for those who are less fortunate um, through our, our 12 days of Christmas initiatives, Lord, that you say even unto the least of these we've done unto you, Lord. And so help us remember that. Help us not to grow bitter and help us not to grow weary in doing good deeds, Lord. But help us to remember that you're the reason we get to do any of it in the first place. And I just pray um, for everyone here, Lord, that as they travel, um, as they go about their, their holiday shopping and, and cooking and everything, Father, that you just keep us all safe, um, that you give us grace, um, and help us to love, Lord. Help us to be focused on the higher thoughts um, of gratefulness and thankfulness. In your holy name we pray. Amen.